And Gary Neville responded instantly. He said, but I've got so much more to say on this subject. I found lots of people like that. It, 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 it's a rivalry of such intensity and emotion. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us. Everyone in. You ain't shit! I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. My fans can be the harshest critics, you know. And they often are. A wife is often the harshest critic <laughs> of her husband. <laughs> I thought I was invincible. That's what you're, you're trained to believe as a sports person. There was four million people in Ireland who knew much more about managing <laughs> football teams than I did. When it comes to music, I can spoof with the best. Your sporting career is the best time you'll have and, you know, you have to hang on to it for as long as your life because everything else is pretty crappy. And this is not lies. Stephen Rochard has never spoken to Jim McGill in his life. So the panel this week reflects upon Ireland-Japan, that win for the uh, women's team this morning, and we'll speak about wider issues in the game. We're going to be joined on the line shortly by Alison Miller and Jackie Shields, but Michelle Claffey's with us at the moment. Our rugby coverage and off the ball. Thanks to Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team, team of us, everyone in. Just go through the details of the game. 57 points to 22. We were 15-0 down early doors, but then we dominated the game. A hat-trick of tries for Eve Jones, one for Aoife Doyle, tries for debutantes Aoife Dalton and Maeve Dealey. Chloe Pierce, Maddie Scuffle McCabe and Emma Hooban also in the mark. An excellent performance. One of two tests we have against Japan. Obviously, a lot of changes in the women's game. 43 professional contracts coming into the game. So, changing times with Greg McWilliams now, the coach of the women's team, and a very impressive display with Dan O'Brien starting at number 10 today. Uh, Michelle, how are you? Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, Michelle, you're, you're very welcome. Uh, just to kind of reflect on the performance and the result, maybe Japan were poor, but I suppose as much as we could have asked for today. You know what? Looking back at the game, like Ireland just were so dominant up front. Japan might have been poor, but Ireland took every opportunity they could and they just played when they could. Um, and they really just kind of bounced on any of Japan's mistakes and just went for it, which is what you want to see after a shaky start. Yeah, 15 nil down. So, uh, like I know the TV pictures, there was issues with Japan, but once we, the, almost like once the TV turned on uh, and we got the coverage uh, from TG Cahar, uh, it, it was very much a case that Ireland dominated the ball up front. And every time I seemed to see the ball in hand of. Uh, uh, of Neve Jones, she was uh, coming up from uh, a try, which had been kind of having a forward plan and a forward platform. Yeah, and that's what yeah that's what happens. Like I was just looking at the number of caps that the forwards have. There's 128 caps in the pack versus 38, and like forwards win games and backs decide by how much. And today yeah. was definitely a, a feature of they had a platform, they had them all, and you know what? They found what they were good at and they stuck with it. It wasn't a case of oh let's try something different. No, we're good at this. Let's keep going and pushing forward and the mall worked for Ireland today and Japan didn't know how to stop it and they didn't even contest the line out time really. Yeah, it was seven of the eight forwards that started against Scotland and the Six Nations that were in the team today but you need a lot of coaching for that to all click. Like that's consistently that's consistency when the selection and consistency of people understanding their role and what they need to do so yeah that's, that's what happens when you have a consistent picking at uh, international level. So I think the pick of the tries in the first half that I saw was what Aoife Doyle. So it was a really pacey finish, a lovely move involving great hands from uh, Enya Breen and Maeve Dealey. Yeah, it was just, I think Ireland nearly played one out. So instead of playing off um, Dana 10, they played off Enya. So they ran a lovely DSP, got the ball into Maeve Dealey's hands and she just put the pace on. I played club with Maeve and the girl can move. Um, and it was brilliant to see that a lot of the times they're getting their hands free to give that offload, to give that extra 
pass and like Doyle got in the corner there which was brilliant to see for her So uh, would you have known from the club is it is it Black Rock is it? Yes Black Rock yeah. Yeah, yeah so you've known from the club what she's capable of and this is a young team with pacey players and it's great to see her translate that from the club to the other side of the world Yeah but the thing is these players are not they may be young in age but their rugby age is actually a lot older right. than people who are their age like, so Maeve Dealey's been involved in the sevens for a while Natasha Behan's in the sevens for a while but they've played representative underage uh, Maeve for Connacht with uh, Baven and um, Aileen so they like they understand how to play in the high level tension areas and that's the pathway that you need to develop for Ireland to be successful in the future and it's coming to fruition already with the, re- with the result today and also the players getting game time how did Dan O'Brien do uh, once again a 15s debut for her at number 10 some of her kicking nice from the tee was excellent but obviously what about her, the rest of her play so she had probably had a lot of help from Enya as well throughout the game but her kicking she got um, what was it six out of nine conversions she's a lefty which is always something that Greg loves to have on the team so it'll be interesting come Six Nations time. I know it's a long way, but it's going to come around pretty quickly. What he's going to do, because will he have Dana at 10, a left footer kicker? Will he have Stacey at 12, left footer kicker? So it, it just gives a world of options for him um, to go forward in, in the game and see how she gets on next week. We also had, as you say, Natasha being uh, Aoife Dalton as uh, debutantes. How did they get on behind the scrum? Uh, like... They were able to, like, Aoife scored a fantastic try, but this was from the, I suppose, the patience that the forwards had in around that area of the try line. They didn't panic. They set it up. They took their slow ball. They got a bit of forward momentum and Aoife just ran. They had a lovely setup of someone's unders and overs off the 10. So Aoife ran that lovely short line, that close to the line. That's what you want to be doing, hitting those uh, those kind of hard yards. And she got for a beautiful try there. This is quite a historic series. Uh, this is not the kind of thing that would, we would have been having maybe a team going to Japan uh, that's not in a World Cup uh, situation. So you're seeing even the progression of them even going out there and playing that game. It kind of puts down a marker that Ireland want to qualify for the next World Cup and this is the start of it now. This is they're getting into uh, more games because you need to play more games just outside the Six Nations. Like one year we'd won in November International, another year we had two November International. You need games. And like you can see, the Six Nations ended in April. This is August. So there's been only three months off rather than the nine months off that they would have had usually. You want the games being played. You want the girls understanding what they're doing. And the composure around the rook, around breakdown, they didn't panic. They were clearing the lines. They set it up. They're much more composed now than they were in Six Nations, I feel, when they're exiting even. This news of 43 uh, professional contracts, Michelle, um, yourself and Alison and Jackie were all signatories to that letter to, uh, I suppose, express disapproval to the government last year. Have you seen, uh, an, I suppose, an adequate response from your perspective in terms of how the game is being run now? So there's a lot of different elements to it because there was an internal review, there was the letter, and then there was, I suppose, not qualifying for the World Cup. So there was a number of things, moving parts that, and I suppose the letter was something there to try and show the players were not happy with the situation or past players. Um, so they're moving in the right direction. They've appointed Gillian now to develop the pathway uh, to implement it. We have loads of underage um, structures there between Leinster, between the northeast. Sorry, I don't know from Leinster. There's like individual um, areas around Leinster. I know Munster is doing and have always done a great job with their underage. Connacht is coming along they have their development team as well as their main team and um, Ulster have always been quite strong as well like they won their Interpros uh, three years ago I think 
and you can see that uh, Neve Jones part of that. I think maybe the Kieran, but it's great to see that the, it's coming through the underage progression and it's building up the profile of Irish women's rugby. This is Gillian McDarby now, so she's the RFU's head yeah. of women's performance and pathway. So what would she be doing now? What would her role be? So the whatever strategy is being imp- uh, sorry, whatever strategy is being created, Gillian is there to implement it, make sure all the stakeholders are buying in and delivering. And that's what you want. Before this, we had said that we had a strategy. Um, a strategy and a strategy, but who was accountable? Who was there? Was like probably different pockets. Now you have one person who's leading the charge in terms of delivering this strategy for the IRFU and to make sure that the domestic game as well, the international game, is uh, moving forward. And uh, are the contracts good? Will it give each player a platform to like to dedicate themselves to rugby and not be juggling their life, their work, the game, everything that you had to do? It'll give them an opportunity to see how much they can. Um, how, how much better they can be as a player rather than having to juggle everything. Um, I hope, I feel, um, between recovery, like not having to go to work two days after playing a match. And all workplaces try and be as, um, I suppose, supportive as they can. But at the end of the day, they have a business to run. So hopefully this will allow players to live comfortably. Now, I don't know what, where they'll be based, if it's in Dublin um, versus other places, like we all know about the price of rent in Dublin. So uh, hopefully it'll be enough to enable them to like live um, as well as perform um, at the highest level. We had Cora Staunton on the show a few weeks ago, Michelle, and she's speaking about how she's living the dream now down in Australia, playing for the Greater uh, Western Sydney Giants and the AFLW. Did you wish she had the chance to play under these conditions? It's almost like one of the football players of 30, 40 years ago in England that now they're looking at the Premier League and going, oh, well, I wish I had that opportunity. It's just something you just have to hold your hands up about, I suppose, in a way. Yeah, of course, you, everyone wishes that they could play rugby and get paid for. You wish it was your job, but it's great to see that it's happening. It's not. It's not just a dream for everybody. Yeah. It's actually a reality for some players, and the the output that will come from this won't be felt immediately. But today was pretty good. Um, so even like these players are playing for contracts now. You know, um, they have to put their best foot forward in order to be even up for selection for a contract. So today was a pretty good step forward for them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the result next week. Um, but I am when you're looking at the players that went on today they could have put on more players earlier like Sam Monahan limped off there towards the end I would have been taking her off after 50 minutes the game was won give Taryn the more time give her more exposure rather than risking more players Did uh, you play Gaelic football didn't you Michelle growing up so uh, with Offaly yeah. did these skills help you when it came to transitioning to playing rugby for Ireland so um, I actually went back and played football last year when there was a little bit of a break when, right. I when, when I wasn't selected. <laughs> um, of course, like you're determined, you're competitive, but uh, your hand-eye coordination, um, just your engine, having to understand, read a game, like these are all skills that you can be built on for rugby. Um, so I think it was really important to have another sport. I'm only, I started very late when I was 21, but like you weren't coming green to rugby. Like you'd watched it. I've been to loads of rugby games before that. So it was just something that you added to it, you just had to learn a lot of technical aspects of the game. Would you encourage um, young women, young men to play various different types of sports before they get into a rugby career? Or do you feel that younger people need to be transitioning into rugby because it's quite a technical sport at an earlier age? Because you talk about being 21 there. Yeah, I think you should play all, all sports. Um, they all 
link into each other like even gymnastics or something like that just so something that you can have a competitive edge if you just are rugby only and rugby only you bring nothing new to it whereas if you're to take a high ball you can practice that in a rugby pitch but you're always doing it in a football match and like how you can hold yourself around the pitch so you're bringing other skills you're meeting other people and I definitely think um, playing other sports has benefited me um, I played soccer I played Gaelic um, anything at all I could try basketball you just enjoy the camaraderie of it as well so it's definitely something you have to try to bring into the rugby world and to be honest the, the ref is there to help you learn the laws of the game as well We have Alison Miller uh, former winger and Grand Slam winner on the line Alison how are you? I'm good how are you John? You're not too bad Alison that was a pretty impressive result whatever about Japan's performance today but 57-22 is not bad 9 tries Yeah I started losing count of who was scoring tries they were coming so um so fast and so thick. Yeah, it was good. And I think what really impressed me is obviously there was a little bit of um, technical difficulties with the coverage. So we didn't see the first 13, 40 minutes. You didn't need to see that. <laughs> no, but that the fact, I just really impressed with their leadership ability to come from 15 nil down. Um, that was really, really impressive. And I think um, obviously the new cops playing particularly well. I think Ireland really um, exposed Japan's limitations in the scrum and line out and you know, they used the advantage to, you know, put themselves in the right park, parts of the park and use their kicking game. So it was really positive and delighted to see those new girls playing really, really well. Obviously, you know, um, Japan had some defensive issues and, it, you know, Ireland were really, really good um, and they played really well. But I think we have some fantastic players there now in Sam Monaghan and Neve Jones. And I think um, the back line today showed their you know, their potential. So it'd be exciting to see how this team develops. Uh, Greg Max Williams is a very, very good coach. He coached me, obviously, back in the day. And he, he's quirky and he can be eccentric and he's a different way. But I think he's a really, really good coach. And I think um, it's good to see where it's going now. And I think they'll take great uh, optimism from this from this game. So if, despite, if, despite what the opposite opposition presented yeah. them today, all they could control was their own performance. And they certainly did that. They, they put 57 points on them. If Spain is the nadir losing to Spain and that was that World Cup qualifier, if that was 0% and 100% say has beat New Zealand at a World Cup or win the Grand Slam as you did, Alison, where are we in the graph? Are we 20, 30, 40% back to where we should be? That's hard to say. And I think obviously Ireland would be disappointed they're not playing in this World Cup because I think from that performance today would be interesting to see where this team would be in a World Cup. But I think we're in the right direction with contracts. We're in the right direction with 18-year-olds playing like Dan O'Brien today at 18, playing in her first game at 10 and, and looking really comfortable, looking really relaxed in that role. Didn't have an outstanding game, but to be honest, I think at 18 and your first cap, you're, you're better off to have a solid game, which she, she really, really did. So um, other players like Eva Dalton. So I can't realistically or honestly answer that question. Yeah. Um, we're not up with New Zealand's or the, the Englands of the world yet, but I think they're in the right direction uh, and I suppose with this, with Gillian McDarby getting the new job advertised by the RFU, they'll have to really work hard and players will really have to work hard. But putting those structures in place, we're certainly on the right path to trying to get there. You know, we've got the structures now. So I think hopefully we'll take away the, the barriers to, to becoming a successful team. We're just trying to take away all those barriers to what it... Because it's only now that I'm retired two or three years and I'm trying to get into the gym every day or go for a run. I'm like, I don't know how I fit it in the lifestyle that I did. So you're you're a PE like, teacher, Alison, aren't you? Yeah. But um, even still, yeah. I, 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 like, 
you're like, how did I do that? How did I do two sessions a day every day, do camps? I, I did a lot of my own extras with, you know, Phil Healy, speed coach, uh, Shane McCormick, good friend of mine, Joy Carberry Sr. I just went and found extra things to do to try and replicate being a professional athlete, but rest and recovery and all that obvious things that we don't have to highlight. But I think what these contracts are going to do is make those players lives easier and easier for them to perform and just strip away, as I said, those barriers. And um, and I think there's small little things that have improved as well. It's great to see, I know this is ridiculous to see the bag man back in, to see the manager, Andy, Andy Weir, the bag man in, bringing those little things in that we didn't have in, I suppose, the Anthony Eddie era, you know. So I'm excited to see where this team goes because, um, and I'd be interested to see who is given contracts. There's 43, but from my calculation, I was a professional sevens player for three to four years, and you probably will have about 20 sevens contracts. Right. So that leaves 23. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, or I'm kind of inferring or estimating 23 contracts for the 15s players. So who will be offered them what they'll have to be flexible at the moment because the game is ev- evolving and players are at work and we have some of those young girls in college. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But um, yeah, and a full-time athlete is, is tough too. Like I did it for four years. It's not all rosy either. and It's a, it's a tough life too, but uh, at least you're in a position to be the best player that you can be as opposed to trying to battle like a lot of different things when you're when you're working and you're trying to train because essentially... It, it, it got to a stage, I think, with Ireland that all the other countries were doing it. That's, you know, it, I want, don't want to say the expression now, but it was um, don't say literally. It. Yeah, <laughs> I'm about to. <laughs> it was literally like they were put a little bit under pressure to do it because the game was going that way. And sometimes you got to have those countries like England, New Zealand leading the way so other people, other countries will follow. So I'm delighted that those girls are getting the opportunity to to do that. Pity didn't happen a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, we've Alison Miller and Michelle Claffey on the line speaking about the Irish women's team. 57-22 win. And Michelle, can the 7s and the 15s rest uh, together in a, in a positive way? That uh, is there enough of a pool of players to have professional contracts against both around both sports? Or do we need to be like maybe prioritising one or the other? Well, there has to be. They have to live uh, beside each other at this stage because it's being put in the one pot. Uh, so we'll see what happens in the, kind of the near future, like Alison said, about the split between the 20, 23, 20, maybe, who knows? Um, and then will there be crossover with people who made selects? Well, well, not selects, but will they be put into a bubble? Will they be available for all six nations? Do you think we can narrow the gap to England and France quite quickly, Michelle? Afraid we just uh, seem to have lost Michelle there. Alison, do you think we can narrow the gap to Michelle and um, to, uh, sorry, England and France quite quickly? I don't think it's going to be overnight, but I, I think we have a small player pool which can be a disadvantage, but I also think it can be a major advantage. I think we're probably missing a trick in that we need to get someone out there scouting um, the, the country and get like getting these girls into the game. Like Dana, da, sorry, Dan O'Brien from Tullow today is 18 and she's an example of a girl from a small club in Carlo who's, who's been putting in the work for a good few years. She's played underage with Tullow with the minis, with the boys. She... I believe she used to be out uh, practicing or kicking with her dad when the senior men or women's team were training and she's been there all the way up. So uh, coached by some great coaches, Kira Kinch and the late Gerald O'Brien. And I'm sure they're very, they would have been, Gerald O'Brien would have been very proud of her today as Kira Kinch is today. But there's players like that out there. We have a small country, we can use it to our advantage. So, I mean, instead of trying to scout 
40 million of the population, we've only got four or five. So how do we use that to our advantage that we find these gems around the country? And I think it'd be great to have someone that's solely employed in the RRFU to go around and to find those players because they are there. I, I, that's where I came from. I came from Port Leash, which we played the lowest division rugby in the whole country. And I suppose I didn't get picked to play for Leinster or anything like that because of my perceived club at the time. But I was, I suppose, a bit stubborn. So I went to Connacht and made it that way. So there just, you know, there was more of me out there as well. I just think we have to be, because we're a small country, New Zealand is a small country too, but I suppose their rugby is like our GA. It's in their it's in their DNA. It's it's their GA. But we can certainly close the gap. But I think success will breed success. So I think if this team could win a win a Grand Slam or Six Nations in four to five years' time, and we work from there, but um, we've got to be really imaginative about how we do things and use that small player pool to our advantage. While you, trying to increase it, obviously. Do you think the professional contracts coming into the game now will maybe make ladies Gaelic footballers or young soccer players go, well, especially ladies Gaelic footballers, because I know you're from a Gaelic football background, mm. uh, Alison, go, hmm, maybe I might have a look at this. Yeah, like for example, the two girls from Leash, I'm going to speak on, like Emma Huben was uh, under an underage footballer from Leash, Leah Tarpey, um, from speaking to people over in Sarsfield's GA club, which was the club she would have played for. She, I know she represents Tullamore, but she's from Mount Melick. Um, she would have played for a leash senior team and she would have played club football. So there's two players that I suppose now have gone into rugby. So, look, people are going to prefer different sports, but I think it does make it more attractive. Yeah, that you can go, oh, I could be contracted to play rugby in a game that I love. Um, so, yeah, obviously Gaelic football. Now a lot of the girls are going to Australia and that's, that's attractive for them. But we have something here on home soil now that might attract an athletic girl and I totally agree Michelle in terms of uh, multilateral development of you know I think it's important to get into rugby when you're young so you develop that those skills and the understanding like Dan O'Brien today was like playing Gaelic football I think um, right up to this so it's having you're still you're playing rugby so you are developing the skills and the understanding while you're still you know playing other sports when you maybe get to 15, 16 you specialise we see that in some of the greatest sports people in the world, you know, they did play, they weren't specialising early with the exception of gymnastics or diving or some of those sports. But um, yeah, I think it will. I, I really do because I have a lot of friends that would have played Gaelic football and I played for Leash myself for two years and they'd say, Alison, I feel like rugby is becoming more attractive to girls because they see potential to represent Ireland, have, you know, be a professional athlete, get paid for it, travel the world. So yeah, I think, now look, the same time there's those GA players that will have no interest in playing rugby and they'll, yeah. that'll always be the case but you know yourself it's, it is attractive now uh, Let's hear from Greg McWilliams the Ireland coach he's speaking after that 57-22 win over in Japan today A difficult start but the way the team came back and showed huge spirit and showed the evolution that you wanted to see on the pitch tonight an incredible result Yeah I, you know there's, there's still more in the tank I think uh, going 15-0 down so early in the game I mean, I just their resilience to come back shows just how confident they are in each other and how confident they are in what we're doing. And I thought they etched themselves back into the game really well. I thought they controlled the ball well. I thought they controlled territory well. And, you know, we gave uh, six new Irish players the opportunity to go out and represent their country today. And to a man, like, it's so exciting for the future. I hope there's girls at home now watching this with their family and they're seeing these role models. Um, 
just a very special group and they've worked really hard uh, and now we've got to get better for next week so hopefully they can enjoy tonight they should do because they've worked bloody hard rest tomorrow and we're back in on Monday and our install day we've got to get better and we've got to constantly evolve but I'm just so proud of the group I'm so proud of the staff and hopefully back home now we gave the Irish people something to be proud of it's what we always wanted to do and uh, I can't ask for more than what they've done today Greg, well done, Greg. Thanks. Greg McWilliams there speaking after the 57-22 win for the Irish women's rugby team in Japan. Spurs, by the way, have beaten Wolves 1-0 with uh, Harry Kane scoring the winner at uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, we've got Jackie Shields on the line. Jackie, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Apologies for joining me. No, it's, uh, it's one of the, like, you know, the technology is, is not always, always 100% folks, so we completely understand that, and so just bear with us. Um, Jackie, what did you make of the performance in the game? actually really enjoyed watching it um, you know I think it probably the girls mentioned it was a very solid experienced pack um, and you could see that they, they dominated up front um, you know during the Six Nations there was problems with the scrum and problems with the line out uh, they seemed to be non-existent today now obviously Japan didn't really contest the line out with the height difference and I think Ireland definitely had the the upper hand in the weight category in the in this in this in the mall and the scrum. So look they, they played to their advantage, they played to the areas they were strong, which is, is good to see. And then as Greg uh, talked about there in the back, you saw some new exciting talent coming out. I think the key thing I was I was chatting there to Michelle earlier, you know, we talk about these young girls, you've got Dan O'Brien there and you've got Eva Dalton and, and players like that. But I think the key is and this is what the older generation of Irish players have been harping on about for years is that there needs to be a pathway, and you can see that these girls have had a pathway. They clearly played at a high level. You know, they haven't just come from young clubs into AIL and straight into internationals. Some of these girls haven't even played AIL, but they've clearly been playing for Leinster. You know, underage, there's been structures put in place. They played at high-profile games. They played at under 18 with Ireland. I know Katie Fatene had coached some of them, so you can see that the step up. Yes, obviously Japan, you know, it's not like a Six Nations game, but still they're an international team, they're going to a World Cup, the step up was there, but these girls were comfortable. And you could see they well they were well placed. You had you know, Dana playing inside Enya Breen, who I thought was a very good game. And I'm delighted to see Enya. I think Enya probably is one player that we need to see kind of cement a position, get consistency because she hasn't had consistency for the last couple of years and when she's given consistency you can see she can be a real target for her. And so yeah, it was great to see, it was a good win. Uh, next week I'm sure there'll be a few changes. Um, and then obviously, as I think it was uh, Ali said there, you know, it's about success, breeding success, and the Six Nations will be the real test for this team next year. Yeah, and you have a soccer background from underage, don't you, as well, Jackie? And you see the success of the Irish women's soccer team potentially going to the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand next year, the advertising, the sky, and all that kind of thing. And rugby needed to step up, and obviously you guys all had to take a stand last year. You did that. There seems to have been a positive response from the RFU. So it is hopefully a corner being, a corner being turned now. Yeah, 100%. You know, the Irish ladies uh, soccer team have, have done fantastic. They're selling out crowds there in Tallinn. I've heard rumours that they're going to the Aviva, but I support the girls and what they're saying. The key thing is to, to build that ground, build that support network and, and I suppose remain true to Tallinn for a while longer until they get bigger audiences. But yeah, like the reality is, you know, success does breed success. People want to watch successful teams and teams that are doing well. So yeah, Ireland has to step up. Um, obviously, England are, are paving the way in the Six Nations. They've had contracts for quite a while. Their um, league is, is, is very entertaining. It's on BT Sports, it's on YouTube. And then you have, obviously, um, Scotland and Wales who've had to put um, contracts in place to prepare them for the World Cup. You know, There's still speculations over how their contracts will look going forward. Um, but Ireland has to do something. You know, A couple of years ago, we were definitely top two, top three and it's consistent, you know, we would never worry about Wales, we would never worry about Scotland, and now it's a dog race at the bottom there. So 
Ireland, we look at our service programme and they're doing very, very well there, but there has to be a, a marrying up of the two. They have to support the 15 players. And I, you know, I listen to Ali there, you look back and wonder, how did you do it with a full-time job? At the time I was living in, in England, and I remember I used to get up and I'd fly over. 4.30, I'd get up, get a flight at 6.30, train Saturday, Sunday, go back to a full-time job. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable if we want to be competitive. Yeah, Michelle, what the season looks like now, we have the All-Ireland League between September and December. We've interposed then in January and February. Is this a new look season? Is this a season that can be very much a positive to feed us into the Six Nations? Uh, yeah, I, I think that like, that'll be the natural pathway. Like, I follow the pathway from club to province to international. I think that needs to be more embedded into it so you can actually see the growth of players like we've seen the underage. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this season to see how it plays out. But also you need to remember the domestic game cannot suffer as a result of building your international team because they feed off each other. So uh, this year they're trialling the league finished before Christmas and then a cup while the interprovincials is on. Um, so you don't want the talent that's not involved in the Interpros or even not in games Interpros to not play any games during those times. So it's really important that all kind of facets of the domestic game isn't isn't left. Like you want to build up the underage, like you have Katie Fitzhenry there looking at the national development talent squad. Um, so it's brilliant to have someone there for that. But also you have players there that have played a number of years, though they're kind of cute, you know, that kind of way as in the younger girls can learn a lot from them. So you want to make sure that you keep girls interested in the domestic game, but push on through from Christmas and then the Irish team can then fall into uh, the Six Nations calendar. However, will there be sevens players available to play in the in the AIL League? Will they push on into Interpros? How will that feed into the overall picture? So you kind of see how are these things kind of linking in together rather than the sevens players just being available for one, two, three games of a Six Nations. Um, when you can actually see today when Enya Breen got good game time uh, she's playing one out she's leading from the front she had really good distribution skills a DSP off 12 worked wonders it made deal in that 13 channel and really punished Japan um, so you want to see Enya playing games you want to see all these players that the forwards have a unit you want the backs now to develop as a unit also and what, who knows what can happen then come the Six Nations next year we were speaking to Michelle Claffey there, Jackie Shields and Alison Miller, uh, former internationals on the Irish r- women's rugby team and that win in Japan, 57-22 earlier on. How do you feel the season is uh, kind of framed, as it were now, Alison, going forward for the AIL and with the Interpros? I think, um, obviously, I think Michelle is 100% right. You don't want the domestic players to suffer um, because of, you know, the Irish, you want to build the league and have those players playing. And I'd love... Um, you know, Jackie is a great person to speak about women's rugby, I suppose, because she's played here in Ireland and she's played in England. And she's, um, but she said the Tyrrells League is so competitive and it's highly watched. I'd love to see our league becoming like that. So hopefully it'll, it'll work. I think there's a little bit of adjustment probably still to be done in certain areas. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how the season goes and unearthing some more players. And I think what the girls were saying was spot on. You see someone like Enya getting her chance there and her distribution skills, she's really become a second playmaker. And Ireland got so much change out of her in the middle, um, you know, as a distributor. And I think um, we hope to see those players that play today playing for their clubs regularly. And that's part of their development that we, it's like, like hope it's like the English Premiership that you're seeing top players play week in, week out and making it a really good league, making it really sustainable, making it attractive and that we don't talk about it you know, in a in a negative sense that we talk about in a positive sense. So, and like Michelle, I think it is important that you go from your club to interprovincial, 
to Ireland that you can see that progression because there's a place there's a time and place for everyone to develop and I think um, you know stepping up eventually like that through the ranks rather than being you know thrown into international level that's too hard for certain for play all players so um, happy at the moment we'll see how it goes though yeah yeah what I'm hearing here from Alison and from Michelle uh, Jackie is that obviously with the men's game you have the European Cup you have the United Rugby Championship. Maybe here it's more important to have a strong league and then a national team. The Interpros can happen, but maybe the league is the strongest thing to have as you've experienced in England. Yeah, 100%. No, I've played uh, three teams now in the AL and my first year back was 2016. And I'll be honest, that I didn't find that a great season to play. I was at Belleville to be at Simon Belleville or an excellent club, but the league itself, there just wasn't much about it. Now, I must say, I found last year's league really, really good. I think what they tried last year was, was, was excellent. They had, you know, Ryan Robin and the top four teams played off against each other. It was just very tight for time after Christmas. I think it probably was squashed in then just before the, the Six Nations, so it was difficult. Um, this year, obviously, it's very condensed, uh, the AIL. I hope and I look forward to how it works um, with Black Rock. And then, as Michelle said, you know, the international players um, will then and then interprovincial players will then go off into their into their expenses and club players then see an opportunity to play uh, at that level with the, you know their clubs in the cup. So the ideas and the the trialing new things are just really key. And like last year, you know, our AIL, AIL final was on TG Car. You had the interprovincial games on TG Car. That's all really positive. It's now just about grabbing that and pushing on one step more. You know, having maybe the games available on YouTube. I know it doesn't sound like an amazing thing to start, but it's a start and then moving on from there. But the league is definitely more competitive. And as Alan, Alison said, it's really important that we get those contracts in place and potentially bring some of our players who have left in the last couple of years back into the Irish setup to be playing in the Irish setup. You know, I'd love to see Sam Monaghan playing in the Irish, in the Irish league. You know, I'm sure lots of girls love a crack off the international players. That's the reality of it. You only get better when you're playing against the best players in the country. So if our best players are all going off to England, then how do our players get better here? How do club players improve their game if our best players aren't here to compete against? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what we're going to see is uh, an interesting year, aren't we, Michelle? Um, but what, but uh, I just uh, I think the professional contracts is such a huge thing because you can see what the the players going down to Australia. And you, I don't know how you did it. You did it for the love of it, but you played rugby uh, at a high level. You had a job. Uh, and you also, all three of you had serious injuries. Michelle, I think you had a serious knee injury, didn't you, to, to deal with? Like, not only in terms of just dealing with that, but psychologically dealing with that. Uh, yeah, I've done both ACLs. I've done my meniscus. I've done my ankle. Um, so I have, I have a number of surgeries. And it's how you bounce back. The, I suppose the love for the game is what brought me back. And I'm a bit stubborn. So I just wanted to get back. I wanted to play. I wanted to see what I could do as a person. and um, What I could contribute to my club. And then anything that came extra was a bonus. Um, but like these girls will have, sorry, these players will have access to so much more, um, I suppose, medical advice as well and time and they'll probably recover quicker as in rehab quicker and can focus more on recovery and get back playing as well, which is so exciting because you'll have everyone available for selection um, and not because they got up early that morning, didn't get to eat properly, retired, go and train, pull the hamstring. Um, so they can look after themselves and I suppose put their best foot forward for selection and then perform at the highest level that they can possibly be because they've been given a proper chance. And Alison, you broke your leg as well, didn't you, in your career? Yeah, um, towards uh, the end of my career, I did a double leg break, um, a compound fracture, which was potentially going to be 
career threatening, but I came back from it. But um, I think we, we can't underestimate what these contracts will do, how quick the players will quick the players will improve. I saw that in sevens when players came in and trained every single day, their rate of improvement. So we're gonna see see that. And I think also there probably won't be the same um I suppose perceived gap between a sevens back and a fifteens back because hopefully those fifteens players will be training every day and resting and they won't be having to balance that. So yeah, I did have a very serious injury, but I think um, you know I got back from it in in good time. And I suppose on a contrast, I suppose it was good actually having a job during that time. So that's probably one part of the thing that you know I did like at the time was that you could go into work and, and um, concentrate on something else, but. That, that's not sustainable for the current players when all the rest of the teams are going professional. Yeah, and Jackie, you broke your leg as well. So you've all had, and maybe all players will have, these types of injuries. Yeah, of course. It's, you know, it's, it comes with the territory. We know we play a game that's a physical game and, and that's the reality of it. But it's, it's about the support networks you have in place. And, you know, the current batch of players probably have more um, medical and you know, personal support. But we, you know, back then we worked out well because we had our friends and we, and like Alice said, we had our jobs. And that's one thing that, you know, would be a slight concern of mine. It's really important. I haven't played a lot of my rugby in England and knowing kind of what went on before England became professional. I saw young girls who were in the setup and then kind of got brushed aside when better players came in and they kind of are caught in a limbo then when they're in their mid-twenties with no real career direction. It's really important that you know, I'm obviously a teacher, so I know the importance of education, but it's really important that these young players, even if they have contracts, regardless of what contract they have, you know, that they're getting that guidance about, okay, well, look, what's the next stage? Because we all know that we were fortunate enough, we had injuries, but we came back and played. There are some players who get injuries and are un, un, unable to come back and play. So it's about having that right set up. So they have their contracts, but they have people guiding them that, look, education is important, be it a part-time course, be it an evening course, a couple of hours, something that they have that if rugby doesn't work out for them for whatever reason, that they have something to fall back on because that's the other the issue with it. You know, I've seen girls in England who are very exciting. You know, they were on the fringes of the English team and, you know, they put everything aside and they focused on rugby and then suddenly somebody else came up and took their spot and they were kind of brushed aside. So we just have to make sure that we, we balance that. That's the key for me, I think. Uh, just before we go, uh, it's hard to say this before we go, and uh, thanks for coming on, uh, Alison Miller, um, Michelle Claffey and Jackie Shields. Uh, Michelle and Jackie, uh, you got married last month, so congratulations. Uh, M- Michelle, a brilliant day, no doubt. Oh, absolutely brilliant day. Ali Miller was there, so she can say if it was any good or not. <laughs> 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 we did no, fantastic I have, day. I have to say, great, great to see your family wedding. friend. Uh, really, really good wedding. <laughs> Best speeches ever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although pre season this week now hasn't been enjoyable after a month away on a honeymoon. So let's just say um, I got handed a GPS for the first time ever and I wasn't too excited at Black Rock this week. Where'd you go, Jackie? <laughs> oh, we did a bit of everything. We we went to Peru and we went to Mexico and then so we did Vegas. And I think the highlight for both of us was Peru, but I dragged her to the CrossFit Games to watch a bit of that and then we ended up in New York. But Let's let's be honest now. We we've got a few weeks of hard training ahead of us if we're if we're going to make any sort of hay at this. And I bet you were in the gym every day, though. I bet you were in the gym. We found a gym the odd time, Ali. It wasn't too often. (laughs) (laughs) Michelle, did you see any rugby pitches? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. It was just what was on the telly. If there was any there, we didn't see any. Very good. Uh, We did a couple of five Ks. That was about it. Many congratulations and happiness to you both. Thank you very Thank much. You Thank you very, very much. much. Uh, so Michelle Claffey, uh, 
Jackie Shields and Alison Miller. Thanks so much for your time on uh, Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk, talking about that win for the Irish uh, women's rugby team against Japan. 57 points to 22. Our rugby coverage and Off the Ball is with thanks to Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us, everyone in it. The Saturday panel on Off the Ball. Rugby on Off the Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us, everyone in.